Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Core Ignitus Sparkcast. I am your host, Keith Johnson, along with Bakisha Marinci. Today, we have a very, very special guest on the podcast. He is a full cell recording arts graduate, 2017 Hall of Fame inductee, owner and founder of Stickman Sounds, Fernando Delgado. You might have heard his work on The Ultimate Fighter, HBO Boxing, Top Gear America, and many other reality shows. Today's topics, Hall of Fame, being a production sound recorders, and much, much more. So sit back, relax, because we're going live in... Hello, Fernando. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? I am excellent, my friend. How good. are you? Are we doing great? Good, good to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. How was How was your Hall of Fame? How was you know? It was wonderful. Yeah. It was mellow. Got to spend some time with some students and some uh, other alum this year, opposed to last year when I was inducted. It was nuts. Right. And you know, you get pulled in a million different directions, and you do a bunch of panels. This year was more relaxed, <laughs> way more relaxed. Did um, this Hall of Fame live up to the hype? I think this Hall of Fame has pretty much squashed every Hall of Fame <laughs> before it. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, the, the ceremony um, was pretty yeah, awesome. That intro was my favorite. The intro video was pretty crazy for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dream machine. Oh yeah, that oh was yeah, like, man. The, I didn't even get to see it in person. Oh, you missed it. It was. It's it's sitting in front of Full Sail Live right now. Really? Yeah. I gotta go check it out. Yeah, I'm gonna go check it out too. I I was too far. I was on the other side, so I, I seen it coming in, but I I didn't get a good look at the Dream Machine. Yeah. Is Our, that the actual, the actual Dream Machine? No, or? it's the actual Dream Machine. We found out was scrapped in the oh, '90s, okay. so we found another one and like had it refurbished. Yeah. Okay. They see, they don't have nothing in it yet. Hopefully, they put a. A slow studio in there. There, yeah. were, used to. there were a lot of uh, ideas thrown around. I think the one that I thought was the best was uh, Chance Glasgow was he wants to uh, create a VR experience, recreate what was in it, but in oh, VR. Okay. That would be bad. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that wow. would be dope. I uh, think that's the best idea out of all of them that I've heard so far. Yeah, because I don't even think I know the story behind the the car, the dream, the dream car. Is it's what started the school yeah that, okay that was the very first classroom really in there that's it wow that's that's just and just having a class in there and and, <laughs> yeah. well, and that was one of the reasons why uh as a group the hall of famers wanted to recreate this thing because we want to not only uh honor and um thank the people that started this amazing place but we wanted all the students to see that every dream starts small look Mm -hmm. at this place today Mm -hmm. look what it used to be you know that just by itself is really inspiring right it definitely is it is that's that's amazing um so what we usually do on the podcast is you know for our new listeners that don't know who our guest is we do like a you know the Q&A type and then maybe go into some other discussions so, you know, can you tell us your background before coming to Full Sail? Um, sure. Uh, I, I, I guess 
my entertainment career started when I was a sophomore in high school. A friend of mine convinced me to take a technical theater class, and I did, and I started working on all of the little productions that we did in that school, and then the subsequent year, uh, Performing Arts Academy opened up in Las Vegas, and I went there, and um, so, it's, you know, it's its whole purpose was to teach us how to do shows, and so I got very involved in the program there, and... Um, that's where that's where I was when I found out about Full Sail. One of my teachers at that school handed me a brochure that said 1-800-CAN-ROCK. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. That's the kind of place that I want to go to. So that's how I discovered Full Sail. And then later on, I came here, you know, probably about a year after I found it. And you always said, you always tell us when, we, when you speak to us, like when you came here to Full Sail, you wanted to be... An engineer do music. Yep. And but when you came out of Full Sail, you did something totally different. Um, can you explain that, like that journey from switching? You know, that time. Um, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it really came down to um, it came down to money. Really, you know, I started my family when I was really young, and. I met some people on the TV side of things. Um, originally, I didn't want to get involved with television because I didn't really, I was ignorant to it. I didn't know what it was, and it didn't sound exciting to me. Mus- right. Music sounded exciting. Um, then I started working uh, with some people that were in the TV biz, and you know that was their livelihood, and they really introduced me to um, really how complicated television can be and I really I'm, I'm an engineer um, in my brain and in my heart and so building systems easy systems complicated systems whatever has always appealed to me so um, so it, it was just really interesting because it wasn't something that I was looking for it, it was something that kind of landed in my lap and um, and I've just always been doing it ever since i don't know if that even answers your question uh, no it does yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um as far as giving back so let me tell you a quick story um i remember when i first met you like i think it was like a year and a half you came to my class and i was in um post-production i think i was in that class you know um, with doran yeah with doran okay yeah. cool and um before that i was do- i was booming a little bit in spark you know i didn't really i was just doing it because he needed a boom operator so i remember you came to my class and um you bring your equipment and everything and i'm sitting there like I remember I'm like, class. and you, and I'm sitting there like, wow, like, I didn't know it was like a real, a real thing, because like before that, I was just, you know, we ain't recording arts, we really don't get that side of audio, right? So I mean, you, you come to the class and um, you talking to us, you have your equipment, well, you showing us what you brung, and I'm like, I'm like, man, like, I think that's, I think I would, that would be a good fit for me, at that point, and um, I remember me and my friend came up to, you, and he said, yeah, man, when you graduate, just come to Vegas and um, just come down there, come to the shop and um, we'll see what we can do. I didn't come because I. I graduated, then I started Show Pro. Right. But from that day, I said, you know what? I'm just going to boom. That's, that's, I mean, I, I still do a little mixing, but from that day, all I want to do is boom, be a sound mixer. Any projects that come up, like with school, like the film students, they say, oh, we need a sound guy. Like, I'll do it. i do it. I follow you on Instagram. You have your Mike Mondays or your Wireless Wednesdays. I'm sitting there like, okay, what kind of, what's, what's Fernando using? What's Fernando using trying to, you know, because it just inspired me. 
and um, I just want to talk to you, like, how, do, like, how is important, how important it is for you to give back to students and like just inspire students. Oh, I'm not talking to Mike. No, I'm sorry. I'm turning this. Um, <laughs> Stop looking at him. I, I think when I first, so when I first started freelancing, um, if I wasn't available for a job, mm -hmm. I would never turn my clients down. Right. And uh, I would always look for somebody for them. You know, I'd call all the people I knew, try to to hook up my client, to hook up the other sound mixer, rather than just saying no, and then maybe possibly bringing in somebody from out of town. Right. Um, and so I think just by doing that, I mean, I, th I think that was kind of my way of contributing to my community at home. Mm -hmm. And it was not a conscious thing. It's just something that I've always done. Um, and then when I got busier and I started meeting people that didn't have the experience that they really needed to be working at, at the level that I was working right. at, um, rather than, again, turning down a client, I, would, I started training people and inviting people to just hang out. And I didn't really think of that as giving back. Mm -hmm. um, and and to be honest with you, I mean, I, I know that coming back to campus and talking to students and stuff like that is considered giving back, but it's also personal therapy, right. you know, and when you do something nice for somebody, and especially in this type of setting where, you know, you, you give some advice and then that person actually utilizes that advice and then they, they have successes from it there's not a better feeling like right. there's I would rather put people in a position to where they can succeed rather than taking th those opportunities myself it just it's more rewarding um, so I never really considered it giving back because I actually kind of think it's one of the more selfish things that I do mm -hmm. like I come back to campus for me just a product mm -hmm. of that is you know, somebody might get some great information, but right. it's it's really about me connecting with students and remembering where I come from. So it's it's really interesting, right? Like, because yeah. a lot of people look at it, you know. But from my perspective, what I get from the students here at Full Sail is way more than I could ever give. You know, because they help me keep my feet on the ground. They help me realize that I do work in an amazing business. It's really easy to get. Uh, tired run down beaten right. down you know and and when you get burnt out negativity can surface very easily so i've been using full sale now for five or six years to help me keep my feet on the ground to help me always remember where i've come from and um to always remind me that what i do i'm very fortunate right. to do what i do and mm -hmm. So um, it's actually <laughs> it's kind of selfish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it's selfish because I, I learned a lot from you um, when we're doing like a Spark gig. I always think back to when you come to Spark and speak to us. And I'm like, OK, Fernando said this. You know, I remember when you first when we first got the new wireless um, receivers and you were sitting down. Right with us and saying you know I, I don't have this at the shop yet but this all applies the same way like every right. every RF receiver right. is the same so I remember like okay he said this we should do this and stuff like that so that's amazing 
I think. Well, awesome. And and when you have your successes, I'll take a little bit of credit and pride <laughs> in watching, <laughs> you know, watching you succeed. It's it's uh, and you you guys will see too. Once you start working, you'll you'll discover that putting putting your peers in a position where they can succeed as well is just as rewarding as this if you were the person doing the job or having that success yourself. It's amazing. I see like on your Instagram, like you um you switched over. You're doing more uh broadcasting. Can you talk about that? Um well I've always done it. It just you know, sometimes Sometimes there's more of this type of work, and sometimes there's more of that type of work. And um, so lately, I've been getting a lot more uh, calls to do sports or live entertainment or, you know, uh, I just, before I came out here, I was working on Paradise Hotel, um, and I was mixing the live show primarily. That was my function on that show. So, you know, I kind of bounce all over the place. It's one of the things that I think has contributed to my continued success is that I, I don't pigeonhole myself into one genre. Um, I consider myself a recording engineer uh, slash production sound mixer. So, um, and that could be a lot of different things. You know, I could be recording a podcast for somebody. Right. For me, that's no different than recording some dialogue on a commercial or having a host with a mic handheld microphone right. in front of a camera, you know, d delivering an introduction of some kind. It's all the same to me. Okay. So, yeah, it just it just happened to be working lately more in that space, but you know, I could get a call tomorrow to go work on a reality show or on a feature film and then you won't see me sitting behind a large console, you'll see me sitting behind a cart. Right. Mm -hmm. Or with a belly on my or a bag on my belly. You know, <laughs> I know that feeling. Oh, Keith! Keith got to show you um, his different boom technique. Oh yeah, yeah. We, don't, we don't have time right now. No, yeah. after after <laughs> after you show Fernando the different boom. There's yeah. like that African. Yeah, I like I don't know. Like when I when I do stuff, I get like super into it. And I like I try to make it fun for myself. So I have like I have a, a theme song for um <laughs> my um. It's like a you, you, have you heard the shot? You know who Shade is? Yeah. She had the song Smooth Operator. Uh -huh. Well, my part is Boom Operator. So <laughs> this is a little theme song, but <laughs> it just, I don't know. I just, I just try to have fun with, like, with it because, I mean, I enjoy it so much. Like, um, it's like, I don't know. It's crazy. Like, and um, you inspire me. I, I watch, I, I'm just looking, I'm looking at the post right now. Can you tell us about this, this post, <laughs> this day? <laughs> Goats and trees. Yeah. Um. Cause I thought it was fake at first when I first seen the picture. No, you said, no, that no, really. no, it's a real, it's a real photo. I I got some amazing sounds from those animals. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun actually. Um, that was from a show that I can't talk about. Oh, you can't. Okay, <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So good thing I didn't so, bring it up. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I worked on a show in Morocco for four weeks. Okay. That was all ENG, so I wasn't sitting behind a console on that. That was just like in the photo mm -hmm. gears strapped to my belly and we were running a gun in. So, um, that was just one of many of our stops. Okay. Um, and yeah. And since we were there, I took the opportunity to get not just the dialogue that we were shooting, but, uh, when everybody was loading back up into the car, right. 
I went and I got myself some goat sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how did, but do you know how they got in the tree like that? Yeah, I think they were. I think they were put there. Oh, they was put there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you look really closely, there's uh, there are like little platforms mm-hmm. in the tree. Oh, okay. See, I didn't see that. But I'm like, how did they even get them in there? That's weird. Yeah, I think what so, I think the story behind that is there's. I don't, do you remember the name of those plants? Uh, shit, I can't remember the name. Yeah. Okay. So, is that what it's called? Argon seeds, yeah. right? Okay. So, um, in Morocco, there's a lot of argon trees, mm-hmm. right? And they they make all sorts of different products out of it. A lot of like skincare products right. and stuff like that. So the goats eat the seeds, and then poop them out, and the um, what's left is. Uh, broken down right so it's easier for the people that are manufacturing the stuff to uh to use it after it's already been through the animal okay so that's why they put them up there oh, they, they put okay. them up there and they eat and then then, they, just then they poop it <laughs> out yeah, <I> and <laughs> then the people come and grab <laughs> mm-hmm. uh the remains and then they make all sorts of stuff that women use to put on their face it's awesome yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like here put this on your face yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it went through a goat came mm-hmm. out its butt put it on your face now it makes your face smooth yeah <laughs> but that was basically the story there is we we were uh commuting from one location to another all right and we stopped because we saw goats in a tree mm-hmm. yeah i mean i would have stopped too that's I looked at the picture like, wow, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And um, just as I would say, as a production sound recorder, a sound recorder, do you get a, do you do a lot of traveling in that in your field? Um, it it depends. Right. Just like the type of work that I do varies, the amount of travel that I do varies. Right. So, when I was in my twenties, I was gone on average about nine months out of the year, mm-hmm. and it was really difficult for me. It was really difficult for my family. Um, but then I landed a show that shot, uh, basically nine months out of the year in Las Vegas. And I did that show for seven years. Right. So I hardly traveled at all during that time period. Right. And, and Vegas is where you're from. Yeah. I live in yeah. Vegas and I've been there forever. Um, and then this year I hadn't traveled very much. I was doing a lot of, a lot of sports and sports is usually, you know, travel on a Thursday, set up on a Friday show on Saturday, go home Sunday. Right. So for a while I was doing a lot of little trips but then this year rolled along and I I see we're in June we're in May right right Almost so June. um I spent all of January in Morocco okay. and then I was home for I want to say about eight weeks or so and then I went to Mexico for three weeks just before I came here right so and I'm going to Pebble Beach in two weeks for uh some golf cool to work is that oh, to work not to play <laughs> i was like oh vacation time no <laughs> no 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 vacation for me is full sale mm-hmm. okay this is my vacation okay so um let's talk about you know the the business aspect um, i know this fernando's sub- favorite subject the business part the financial the business part. <laughs> the financial um, i have to watch what i say margaret just got <laughs> inducted and she might she may not hear this we we have debated about credit scores quite a bit really oh yeah Yeah, Fernando definitely gave me advice on financial and stuff we we had a one-on-one conversation too you know what um 
for like most students now what what do you think we should be paying attention to as like money wise saving wise um like before graduating what should we be you know watching out for or something well you already know what i'm going to say but i'm going to say it for the sake (laughs) of your listeners Uh, i'm going to say if you've taken out loans uh for your education um you should start working really hard at paying back those loans even if you get out of you know even if you start doing it before you graduate um i don't believe in debt so i don't have credit cards and uh, i live on a cash only i live a cash only lifestyle so that means if i can't afford something i don't get it and i have to wait and um that might sound horrible because we live in a culture of immediate satisfaction you know um but i don't i don't live that way and i think that i'm just a happier person because of it i don't have the pressures of having to make more money than i can earn because i've dug a hole and and i need to pay off debt right so um so i guess as a student I would just try to set yourself up so that you don't have to earn a lot uh, to survive. You know, try to put yourself in a position to where you can live off of very little. And um, and the reason for that is so that you can take opportunities that might not be financial. You know, mm-hmm. if you have to earn X amount of dollars and an opportunity comes along your way that could be really great for your career, but you can't afford it you might not take that opportunity and so your journey might end up being a little bit longer and for what if you're sliding your credit card at 7-eleven every other day and racking up all this debt you know you're you're limiting the possible opportunities in your life because of slurpees <laughs> you know <laughs> so thing. so um a lot of people think i'm crazy i've had family members tell me that you can't live without credit you can't travel without a credit card and that's just bs i've been all over the world pay cash i'm good i can still get on the plane i can Mm -hmm. still check into my hotels and rent a car and everything is good yeah i think for me like when i first heard you talk at the spark um, building which is the old spark building you talked about like credit and uh my my goal in life is to never open up a credit card account. That's an amazingly awesome so goal. I'm doing good so far. <laughs> if like, like I bought an Apollo, but this is from uh, me saving from working here doing yeah. events like this. I saved up enough money to be like, yeah, let me treat myself. Um, but I never got a credit card. Sweetwater try to get me with that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they'll try to lure you yeah. with yeah. benefits and all this other stuff to try to get you to buy into it. But um, I wait. And you know, another thing too is if you wait, you might get a better deal. If you wait, you might find something better. Right. Or um, you might just decide in the process of saving that this isn't what you really want. Right. Where if you have credit and you go, oh, I need an Apollo. Do you really need an Apollo? No. 
nobody really needs one. It's it's a want and not a need. Right. So if you pay cash before you hand that money over, you know that that's going to affect that you. Handing that money over is going to affect you. So you know that I this is I'm making this purchase and I feel good about it. Right. Opposed to having buyer's remorse a month later when you get the bill and you can't afford it. I have a few of those buyer's remorse. But not with a credit card. <laughs> I bought something. I'm like, oh, I don't think I should have bought that. Yeah, a lot of times what, I, what I've been doing <laughs> is I have a limit. And if the thing that I want to purchase is more than that limit, mm-hmm. I wait 48 hours, 72 hours. Mm-hmm. And then, then I go back and do I really need that? And actually, that just happened recently. I'm building a, a second Pro Tool system um, for the shop. And I was going to buy... Uh, an Apollo. Um, and I was going to get it before I went on my last show. But then I was like, hold on, let me wait. Do I really need to make this purchase right now? Can I do all the work that I want to get done without purchasing this interface? Mm -hmm. And the answer was yes. So I didn't buy it. And, um, I'm not going to purchase an interface for that computer until I'm ready and I know exactly which one is going to best suit that system. Yeah. Your wife was agreeing with you. Like, yeah, you're not going to buy that. <laughs> like, you're not going to buy that. You didn't, go, you didn't discuss it with me. <laughs> well, and that's another thing, too, is if, you're, if you have a spouse, checks and balances is really important. You know, we, we have conversations all the time about um, the things that we want versus the things that we need. Right. Like right now, I need a car. And so the job that I did in Mexico, I took for several reasons. But one of the main reasons was I knew that I would earn enough money to buy myself a car. So when I get home from this trip, I'm going to take my old beater and I'm going to trade it in for another beater Mm -hmm. that's not quite as old because I also don't buy new cars. Right. You, you told me that too last time. I told yeah, I don't earn enough money for it. When I'm a gazillionaire and, <laughs> and buying a new car is like going to 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee, then I'll buy myself a new car. Right. But until then, I'm going to just keep on driving hoopties that are mine, that I pay cash for. All right. And um, another thing, can we um, want to talk about the Stickman Sound? It's a great I mean, company. I I've heard about <laughs> it. It's a great, great First, company. First, can you tell us, I mean, I, I, you told us about it, but can you tell us how the logo came about? Um, well, I know you probably told this story a, a million times. Well, uh, one of my friends from high school actually did the logo for me. Um, the whole idea with Stickman was um, really, it was kind of like this thing where um, it was a play on simplicity. Um, and I'm not an artist. Right. Um, uh, well, not that kind of artist. You're an artist in another way. Right, yeah. <laughs> Visually, I am not arti- artistic. Um, but, yeah, the, the logo was actually designed by a, f- a friend of mine that I went to high school with. He was a graphic – he is a graphic designer. And um, I had been bugging him for a long time to just do it for me. Right. I kind of already knew that I wanted the stick man and everything, but I wanted it to be a certain way. And so, finally, I bugged him enough, and he did it. And – he did it kind of hastily and didn't really want to do it. Right. And now that uh, people s- have seen it o- over all these years and love it and are always commenting on what a cool logo it mm-hmm. is, it's funny because it just eats him up because he, he's, <laughs> he's an artist and he put no, nothing personal into right. that. 
no so, effort. So he's, he's, you know, typical artist. He's like, nobody pays attention to the stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. But everybody loves this stupid logo that I did that I don't care anything <laughs> like about. Two minutes to do. Yeah, and he spent hours on other stuff. And, and yeah. yeah, yeah. But that was his. That was his uh, design, not mine. Right. And um, you also talked about it. Talked about this too, like um, basically starting your business and how the process and the length it took for you to start your business. You said it took like ten years. A little bit. More yeah. Well, originally I didn't start my business so that. It I didn't start the business to be what it actually turned out to right. be. I started the business so that I could actually um, work around um, an employer that, you know, we had to, basically we had to go through a certain payroll system and he took too much off the top for me. I was not down with it. And um, so I actually created the company because I had told this this uh, gentleman he's passed away now. I was like, I'm I'm not gonna go through your payroll anymore. Right. I you, you're taking too much off the top. This doesn't work for me. And he kind of laughed at me and he was like, Well, you you're kind of stuck. You know, I was working for HBO, um, and he was like, Once you go on our sheets, you have to stay on our sheets, unless you're you happen to be a business owner. And he kind of said that jokingly, but I was like, Ah, okay. So like literally the next Monday. I went and I got a, a DBA mm-hmm. and I opened a business account and the next time HBO came back into town with a boxing show, I billed them directly. Okay. And mm-hmm. he, he was pissed. I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, but that's, that's, that was the original reason for starting the company. And then um, I just learned that it was uh, a smart way to handle doing business as a freelancer kind of separating my personal income versus my business income. And um, and because I was always referring other people to my clients for work, I was starting to get busier and busier. I started purchasing equipment to handle these jobs. Right. And um, <coughs> it seemed like it, we got, up until very recently, it seemed like we never had enough stuff. So we were always just purchasing and purchasing and purchasing and purchasing and sending different people out to do those jobs that I wasn't available for. You know, so now fast forward almost 20 years, um, I have two full-time employees. We're considering opening an office here in Orlando Mm -hmm. and um, adding a third person to our team. And, um, And yeah, we, you know, we've just been really fortunate to work in a lot of different areas uh, in within the business, it's great. And two of my best friends run the business for me. Okay. Two of my friend, one of them was my best friend in high school, and he was my roommate here at Full Sail. We were lab partners. We did everything together. He manages all all the equipment, cool. fixes everything, preps everything, handles all of it. And uh, Crystal was our designated driver when we were in high school. She would always drive us home if we drank too much, mm-hmm. and uh, always made sure that everybody was okay she was kind of like the mother of the group so to speak and so now she's still in charge she makes sure that the business is good and that we're getting paid every two weeks and the you know bills are paid and the clients are paying their bills right absolutely so how does um someone go about hiring fernando like what's the process you go to my website you fill out there's a little button at the top of my website that says book now and you answer a couple questions and um, 
and that's pretty much it. It's that simple. Either that or you call me. You know, a lot of my older clients would just call me directly, but um, a lot of our newer clients will book through Crystal, and she handles my schedule. And So if any jobs pop up um, that I am available for, usually she'll call me or text me, let me know what the job is, and um, ask me if I'm interested in doing it. And if I'm not, if I've got some, you know, family thing going on or whatever, right. <coughs> um, then we'll refer it out to one of our little uh, freelancers. Okay. And um, you said something else that that kind of caught me. Um, you said when you can't take jobs, you refer to your fr- you refer to other people. So is that is that um a way you use like to build relationships and build like a network with other people? Like not just take not because I mean you have your own business. Of course, you want to make as much money as you want, but you're still helping out other businesses. You're building relationships because they trust they trust your judgment, basically. Yeah, I yeah I guess so. I mean a lot of a lot of the business is just, uh, it is just relationships. It's, you know, I, I worked with a producer. They trust the work that I did previously. And if I'm not available to handle a job, a lot of times they'll be like, well, I trust the people you work with. Right. They, they, they know the quality that comes from Stickman, whether it's me or somebody else on the job. And they also know that we vet everybody. So I would never send somebody that has only done ENG audio to do like a live shoot right right because they the skill sets are different um and uh, and the majority of our clients know that so if i'm not available a lot of times and, and actually a lot of my clients will call me and be like you're probably not available so maybe you can get one of your people on this right. you know so a lot of them already know that they may may or may not get me mm-hmm. but they're fine with whoever they do get because right. they trust um the people we put out in the world yeah um so like um do you have any stories where um a student has come to you for mentorship and you know you have mentored them and you've seen them succeed oh yeah lots lots Uh, there's uh, like on the sound side of things we've had a bunch of uh full sale people and uh because we're in las vegas a lot of people from unlv have dropped into our shop one guy in particular i met him uh, in one of those post-production classes that I was giving a lecture to, it was like one of the very first times I came to campus to speak. He told me he was going to stop by my office as soon as he graduated, and I told him the same thing I tell everybody. I'll see you when you get there, because mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. people are full of it, and they never show up. And uh, he did. Like a week after he graduated, he was at my front door, and he's done the last two, three seasons of The Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. And we hardly ever see him anymore because he's out there killing it. All right. You know, um, another one that I, I uh, am really proud of is um, I met this one young lady. She posted something on Facebook about been out of school for about a year, living in L.A. I'm almost out of money, haven't been able to find a job. And I'm not the type of person that uh, will get on anybody's pity party. Usually if, if you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're not going to get any help from me. Um, something about how she wrote it kind of spoke to me so i hit her up on instant message and i said hey give me a call when you get a chance i'm really curious i want to have a conversation with you so and i never met this girl before we just both happened to be on some full sale uh, alum groups and so she hits she calls me and um she tells me she went to school for writing she wants to be a writer and 
she's just had no luck she hasn't been able to find any work as a PA or otherwise and so I asked her I was like so how many writers have you met uh, over the last year that you've been in LA she's like well none I was like well how is that possible if you want to be a writer shouldn't you be meeting other writers that I mean that just makes sense to me right. <laughs> <coughs> she was very timid and uh, didn't know how to go about it so I told her so make a list of your 10 favorite writers that you know for a fact live in the Los Angeles area and find out where those people work and go there and shake their hands and butter their muffin a little bit tell them how much you enjoy the content that they've produced and that you aspire to to hopefully one day work on similar uh, types of shows so the following monday she gathers up all of her stuff and she starts dropping into these different people's production offices and so she walks into this one office and um that production team just happened to be on their very first day of a new show they hadn't even hired their first pa so the only people that were actually working were the executives and because nobody else walks into your office and shakes your hand they gave her a job immediately so mm -hmm. she got a job as a pa on on this scripted tv show so she calls me and she's like fernando i can't believe this happened i'm so excited da, da, da. cool go kill it right got faith in you right. go kill it so uh about three weeks later four weeks later they start production and on like the first or second day of shooting the script supervisor doesn't show up just a, a no-show and the director was so impressed with the fact that this young lady was there early every day the fact that she had the uh the um, balls i guess to go and introduce herself to these people out of the blue mm -hmm. he was like you're my new script supervisor so she calls me and she tells me and i'm like so you want to be a writer and on your first gig, you're the script supervisor. Hmm. hmm. Kind of crazy, <laughs> don't you that think? Yeah. Right. Oh, it gets better. So, so then she kind of drops off the face of the earth for a little while. And I go to a, uh, a full sale alumni event in L.A. Uh, you know how they do the networking events a right, couple yeah. times yeah. a year, right? So it was one of those. And she's there. So I run up to her and I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you in a long time. What's going on? And she's like, I can't tell you, but it's awesome. And as soon as I can, I'll let you know. And about two months after that, she posts this thing on Facebook talking about how she uh, took a chance and went and did something that somebody gave her some advice on. And I just finished Red Redemption 2. Wow. As a writer. I love that game. That's amazing. Right. That's a true success story. Right and she's worked on at least five other titles since then as a writer and and video games was not even on her radar but it was one of the producers from that scripted tv show mm -hmm. that was so impressed with her that that person took her with him and yeah. now and now she's a writer and it's only been you know probably about two years since that initial uh facebook post where she was ready to go home right that's like a true testament yeah. of not giving <coughs> up. I would say um, just the fact that you led her in a different direction and she kind of came back almost like full circle because I think sometimes we want to do just one thing and we just try to do that one thing. It's like nothing's happening instead of like, okay, maybe we should do this. 
then maybe it, it can well I think right. a lot of times too you know that the advice that people are giving you is good right but you're really apprehensive to do it mm-hmm. right and in this case she just did it like was she nervous to go into every single one of those office I'm right. sure she was just like anybody else would be but she mustered up the courage to knock on the door and shake some hands and it changed her life and put her on the right path and now she's doing exactly what she set out to do right so you know whenever you have those thoughts in your brain oh this person's going to be busy or i'm sure they're not even going to respond then what difference does it make reach out to them anyway what's the worst that's going to happen they're going to ignore you so you end up right where you started right no big deal no loss because if you don't it's a no if you don't reach out, it's a no, basically. You're telling yeah. yourself a no. So if and they tell you no, then it's like, okay. And the longer you wait, the less chance, in my opinion, that it's actually going to work, right? Because procrastination, I mean, the longer you procrastinate, the harder it is to do something where, you know, just rip off the Band-Aid and you're already there. Right. Except for, except for homework. I procrastinate. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's when I get all my good ideas. That's <laughs> two hours now. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> Before eleven fifty nine. Before eleven fifty nine. Ah man, I didn't I have all these good ideas, but no. All right, so we have a segment called horror stories. Yep, horror um, stories. Almost coming to an end. Um, can you tell us a horror story that happened in your career? Um, I'll tell you about a pretty good fail. I don't know That's that fine. it's a horror story, but it's a pretty good fail. So, a few years ago, I was working on a show. Uh, called the Contender Series. It was a a new show that the UFC uh, was going to be producing. And they thought it would be really cool to do a simulcast, uh, a simultaneous podcast, and and broadcast the podcast live, and then broadcast the TV show live, right? right? And um, so they got Snoop Dogg and uh, this this, uh, contracted fighter named Uriah Faber to sit in a different area of our venue to do what we called the Snoopcast. And, but I was mixing both shows simultaneously. And so we go through rehearsals, everything was like butter. We had a great rehearsal, everything was great. We go to air and the producer that's producing the Snoopcast is yelling cues and, but he's hitting the wrong button. He's talking to my A2 that is upstairs with with Snoop okay. instead of talking to me. So, or yeah, he shouldn't have been talking to me. I was taking direction from a, the main producer on the main broadcast. Oh, gotcha. So long story short, um, because they because they hit the wrong button, talked to the wrong person, we missed that cue. Producer freaks out, starts yelling, bring up Snoop, bring up Snoop, bring up Snoop. So I'm like, that's not part of the script, but okay, it's a live show, right? So I bring up Snoop. And then the other producer who's producing the show that I'm actually working on says, what the hell are you doing? Lose Snoop, lose Snoop. And so for the rest of the broadcast, it was just yelling and screaming, and I was totally confused, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. So we came back the next week. We had the exact same problem. It was just... uh, really difficult for me to um, differentiate and to tell who was talking to me. And during the rehearsals, everybody was like really calm. And as soon as we went on the air, everybody starts yelling. Mm. And so, so I didn't get a third show. Mm. 
you know, after the second show was over, the production manager came up to me and she's like, yeah, we're going to replace you. And I was like, yeah, I would too. <laughs> like I, I would too. That, that was a pretty bad show. I was pretty embarrassed. Um, but you know, I mean, that's kind of the nature of the beast. Sometimes you knock it out of the park and sometimes you strike out and, you know, um, I guess on the one hand, I do consider it a fail, but on the other hand, I know exactly what I did wrong. I know exactly what I would do to correct that problem next time. So I don't foresee that type of problem ever, uh, pre uh preventing me from delivering a, a good product to my right. client. You know, they're not going to call me again, but what that's okay. What would you have done differently? Um, I would have probably, um, I think my initial reaction should have been to ask my comms guy that was working with me to <laughs> to mute that producer's <laughs> intercom so I could only hear the producer that I should have been listening to. Mm. Um, and I probably would have gone, so on, on every broadcast there's an AD that gives you all the counts, right? They tell you where you're at. You have a script that has line items on it and the AD will always tell you what line item you're on, where you're at. I was so lost um, in the format of the show because of those screw-ups that um, I never recovered. And uh, I would have communicated to the live AD and said, where are we? You know, just take a pause during the fight, you know, because I'm mixing during the fight. Right. But I also have enough time sometimes to grab my script and, you know, kind of check myself and gotcha. so I would have done a, a few things differently um, you know but it caught me off guard and I kind of freaked out a little bit too and I would say probably the thing that I would definitely not do again is let their freak out cause me to freak out mm -hmm. you know so I was really apprehensive to mix live show for a while because mm -hmm. it, it kind of yeah, it's, it's kind of messed me up yeah. but um, you know you learn from your mistakes and you win some and you lose some. And I just got back from Mexico mixing a show and I had a couple of really great shows. So, mm -hmm. so I'm back in the game. Hey, yeah. so do we go ahead? Oh, I just want to say one more thing. Um, so when you, when you was at Full Sail, we just recording arts. You didn't have show production and none of that. They only had three programs right. when I was here. There was recording arts, uh, film and video and digital media. Right. That's it. So do you think um, do you think we have a, a better advantage now going at like because I'm in show production now, and I want I, I still want to do my production do production sound recorders and I still want to get into the live world, um and like just with Hall of Fame like I I didn't have none of that I mean you had a Hall of Fame right no there was oh, no, no, no Hall of Fame so we just celebrated our tenth I right, graduated yeah, right, yeah. more <laughs> than twenty years <laughs> ago yeah, yeah. so um just as like like from what we have to w like what you have is like I feel like we have like we kind of um. You guys have a good. Yeah, we have a good, basically. You guys have a good. From your situation, I mean, you, you learned all of that. You had to learn all that on your own. And, like, what yeah. we... Yeah. I guess the difference... I mean, at the end of the day, what you're learning here is fundamentals. Right. Right? Um, the school today is so big and so broad that um, it'll teach you fundamentals in very specific areas, whereas we were learning broad fundamentals. Right. But at the end of the day, a microphone is a microphone, mm -hmm. and a mixer is a mixer. And they all work the same fundamentally. It's just a matter of getting your hands on the equipment and learning the process. And right. really the biggest difference between all of the different areas that, that we work is the process. 
we're all basically doing the same thing. Yeah. We're plugging in microphones, making them sound good, mixing them, and sending them out to the world in whatever format that may be, whether it's you know through uh, a music file, a TV show, you know, even social media these days. So um, the process is is the biggest difference, and you guys are getting more detailed process mm -hmm. with the specific de degree programs where when I was a student here it was all about making records and anything we learned outside of that was kind of a bonus right that's cool, cool. I think we're we're at an end yep so um can you um just put out your social media websites and everything and um is are you doing anything that's coming up that you can talk about um any new projects you're working on no actually I've got very little going on right now the next my next job is uh i'm going to pebble beach to work with bbc radio okay. on their broadcast of golf. whatever golf tournament is happening in pebble beach i don't All know right. anything about golf so um so i'll be there for four days in uh mid-june and then after that i don't really have very much going on i think i've got a uh steve aoki the dj oh, yeah, i think i've got enough. something with him at the end of the month, I think we're. I think they're doing a documentary. Okay. Maybe possibly. I just know that he's going to be there. Okay. And you you did say you was um you you think about opening up an office in Orlando. Too. Yeah, my goal in the next you know year or two is to have a place here um, that we can use to help uh, Jackie and Spark okay. get get people trained up. I want to get I want to get the the Spark students that are interested in doing production audio employable by the time they graduate right and so i'd like to open an office out here to hopefully get that uh rolling cool. i'm definitely going to keep keep in touch with jackie once i graduate <laughs> yeah <touch>. i well <laughs> and and you should you should keep in touch with your instructors mm -hmm. you should keep in touch with administration you should keep in touch with oh, yeah, uh, career development always yeah. we just had a um, career development here like two weeks ago yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, on the like podcast and the, um, yeah, one cool. yeah, before the Tremaine um, episode. Yeah. So, um, I you already said word of wisdom. That was the last, l l the last thing. But, um, all right, you know, keep the your outro. Oh yeah. Goodbye. Now, joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fernando, and thank you for coming on the podcast again. Um, Thanks for having me. You really um, give a lot of information, things that um, we already know. Um, hope our listeners learn something new. And um, if you want to get in contact with Fernando, stickmansound.com, stickmansound on Instagram, stickmansound on Facebook, stickmansound on Twitter, stickmansound <laughs> on LinkedIn. Just search stickmansound. Right. You'll find me. Yeah, and if you see him on campus walking around, hit me up. Is this your last yeah. day on campus? Are you gonna yes, no, we're flying home tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning? Okay. Yeah. So if um, you have, well, they probably won't hear this until <laughs> so it's like no point. Yeah, it's not but, um, <laughs> no point. Hopefully you'll be here next Hall of Fame or you, you'll be here before Hall of Fame again. Uh, we look forward to seeing you, speaking to you again. So see you next time, guys. Sparkcast.